All right. Good morning, family. Good to see you guys. Everybody doing all right today? You guys good? Good to see you. I was out last week. I was up in BB. I don't know if you guys have heard of that town, but uh, <laughs> I don't know that if unless we lived close to there, I don't know that we would know what BB is either. But God is doing some amazing things at our BB campus, guys. I mean, this is a pretty small community up there. Um, but Calvin and his wife, Bren, are doing an incredible job leading that campus. And it's summer months, and so uh, we kind of got summer crowd always down a little bit in the summer. But they had over 450 people last weekend at a church in Beebe, Arkansas. People, come on now. And, and that's, that's in spite of Calvin and, you know, and just who he is, you know. Uh, I'm joking, but he did, he posted a picture of him holding a cat saying that's his study buddy for preparing his message. And I'd been like, oh, well, that makes sense why his message has been a little weak lately. I mean, come on now. I'm joking, it's not really. But uh, God's doing some awesome things. I love the summer because we get to travel around a little bit. We get to go to some other campuses, other people come in here to speak. And uh, we get to see what God's doing at some of the other campuses. I'd encourage you when you get a chance from time to time to go check out uh, another campus around and uh, just see, because then you really get to see the vision on what God is doing across the state. And, uh, and, you know, we got a campus as close as BB. You should go check that out at one point or another. And uh, it, it's, they're having a blast up there. It's been good. This Did You Know or Do You Know series um, kind of started with this verse out of John 8.32. It says, then you will know the truth. Everybody say truth. And the truth will set you free. How many of y'all know that you need some truth in your life? Amen. Don't elbow the person next to you too hard. But, but we all need this truth because here's the deal. If we don't know the truth, the truth can't set us free. And this is not just a matter of you knowing truth here, but it's knowing truth here. It's not just a matter of you having a head knowledge of, of the good and bad or whatever you're supposed to be doing. It's also a matter of it being a part of who you are in your heart. And when you apply that truth, then you walk in freedom. Today, I wanna talk about stress. Did you know that you could be stress-free? Some of you are like, uh-uh, he's a liar. He's a liar. You probably believe a lot of things I said from up here, but you don't believe that. But I think the word of God shows us that it is true. Fact is, almost all of us at one point or another have been overwhelmed by stress. There are some of you that you're not. And for you, you just kind of go with the flow. Live in the moment. Life is a party. Akuna Matata. <laughs> and the rest of us are a little bit envious of your simple life. We also think that maybe you need to be a little more serious and anxious like the rest of us. Come on, step up your game. But all of us deal with stress. And it's important that we understand the Bible has actually a lot to say about stress. And, and we need to know what that is because stress can cause some major issues, even physical issues, some anxiety-related issues, medical problems, heart disease, sleep problems, high blood pressure, depression, obesity, diseases, Skin conditions. If you don't deal with stress, it can wind up affecting you physically as well. Uh, this happened to me where I just had a, a, just an all-out breakdown. A few years ago, we made the decision that we were going to buy a new house, remodel the new house, put our old house up for rent, and live at somebody else's house in one room with a newborn. And I was going to do all the remodeling myself because I'm so handy. And so we went into this process. We started having issues with our renters at our old house. And, 
and we're not sleeping because <laughs> we have a newborn in one room and horrible. And then I'm trying to remodel this house on my own while I'm trying to run a ministry at the church. Can y'all say stupid? Because that's kind of what it was. The whole thing was, wasn't real smart. And so I remember one day I'm over there at the new house and I'm working in this bathroom. I had to tear all this wallpaper out. So the walls got messed up. So I was trying to refloat all the walls. And Cody, my loving, precious, sweet, kind wife, showed up. And she walked into that bathroom that I was working on and she just paused for a second and she said, sweetheart, is this really the best you can do? And that did it. That was it. I just broke. Next thing I know, I was literally in the fetal position on the kitchen floor of that house, crying uncontrollably. If you have never put yourself in the position of your life where you've been in fetal position, crying yourself to sleep, you just haven't lived yet. You need to get out there and do something with your life. But that's where I was. And it, it physically could not even stand up. The stress and the pressure was so overwhelming that I broke. In Psalm 139, 23, it says, Search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. I think a lot of us probably came in with this this morning. You may be here at church because you're hoping that church somehow is gonna help you with the stress and the pressure of your life. And I do believe that the community around the body of Christ can help, but there's a much bigger thing that you need than just coming to church. And that's what I wanna talk about today. Why do we stress? I think one of the reasons why we stress is because of all the choices we have. You think about that. Some of you guys don't do good with a lot of choices. Like you were doing really good. Like right now you're doing okay. But I can, swip, I can flip a switch in you real quick and stress you out. I can ask you one question and I'll guarantee you 90% of you are gonna start stressing. You know what the question is? What are you gonna eat after church? And that's stressful in and of itself. And then you get the menu. What are you going to eat? And you got to make a choice about that. And so you make your choice, but then you're second guessing your choice. So then you want to go talk to the waitress, but that seems like confrontational. So you're not going to talk to her, but then you're going to get what you don't like. And then you're going to have to get a box and take it home and pretend like you liked it, but you didn't. So you're just going to throw it away and that's wasting money. And you don't have a lot of money. So that's going to be stressful. Stress. What are you going to wear? Day to day, what are you going to wear? I mean, it used to be like pretty simple. You guys remember there used to be like a couple kinds of jeans? Like there used to be like Levi's, Wranglers, and for all the poor folk, Rustler jeans. Come on, the off-brand of Wrangler. Come on, where are my people at? Like when I was growing up, I had a couple pair of Rustler jeans and like six Christian t-shirts. That was my wardrobe. And so from day to day, I could wear the shirt that said, go against the flow with all these ugly fish swimming one way and the Christian fish swimming the other way. Or I could wear my God's gym shirt with Jesus bench pressing a cross. You know, I could wear that and my wrestler jeans. And those are my options. Now we have rompers. <laughs> rompers. I just want to let you know, man, I love you. And because I love you, I want you to know that if the spirit of the romper ever comes upon you, I will rally six to seven of the meanest, toughest dudes in our church. We got some bikers here, they're Christians, but just barely. And we will come to your doorstep 
and we will deliver you of that spirit of romper and make sure that it never returns to your life ever again. Rompers, God help us. I'm not worried of much, as much about the government as I am about the spirit of the romper right now. I'm telling you that right now. That is some scary stuff, people. Go to the store, you gotta get some toothpaste. How many different kinds of toothpaste do we really need? I mean, you got tartar control, you got whitening toothpaste, tartar control, tartar, who, who named, what, where'd the name tartar come from? Like who came up with that? Is it related to tartar sauce? I don't think so, but they both had the same name and that's weird. And then you, you got advanced whitening. Well, my question is why would I, would I choose less advanced whitening? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. We have all these choices and then once you pick that, you still gotta pick a toothbrush. There's 600 different toothbrushes. This is stressful stuff, people. Remote controls. They got so many buttons, you don't even know which one to push to turn the thing on. Choices. Choices can be stressful. Calendar. Calendar is stressful because we are way too busy and it's a major problem. Because we have no margin in our lives, we're not sleeping well and sleeping enough because we're too busy. We're not eating right because we're too busy. And burnout is on the rise. People are depleting their physical bodies, trying to manage the stress that's happening around them. And we have way too many to-do lists. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I love, I love a good to-do list. Come on, there's nothing more satisfying than having a to-do list and putting a check next to something on your to-do list. Come on, where are my OCD people out? Come on now, where are you at, okay? You know what I actually like to do is I like to put each individual task on a sticky note. That way when I finish that task, I crumple that note up and I throw it in the trash, it feels like deliverance in my life, like God is ministering to me. But I think that some of us, we need to create a list of things we need to stop doing. Our to-do list has gotten really cluttered and really full. And some of those things are necessary, but there's a lot of things on our to-do list that are not necessary. And one of the most encouraging things that I could tell any of you to do is you need to make a list starting now of things you need to stop doing. Because some of those things are just taking your joy and they're causing stress, and it's affecting your life. Another things that can cause stress, cell phones. Cell phones, I heard a murmur on that one. Cell phones. I just wanna confess, I have an issue. I have a struggle. I call it DDD, Dings Dots Disorder. Because when I see notification dots on a phone, especially my phone, I can't handle it. I will start stressing out about that notification bubble on my phone. And they make it red, which is the color of aggression, which is the color of stop, caution, danger. And my wife's phone is the worst. She has so many notification bubbles. And here's the addition, you got a major problem when your notification bubble turns into an oval then you got a major, major issue in your life. 
When you got a four digit bubble sitting on your phone, you got some issues in your life. And my wife has a four digit bubble on her phone. It's known as her mail, her unread mail. Oh my goodness, I can't handle it. Can't handle it, it's stressful. Or dings, notification dings. Some of y'all, you like the ding, you like it. I know, I hear it during church, I hear the ding. Ding, 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 ding. I always put my phone on vibrate, always. My phone is always on vibrate, why? I can't handle the ding. And some of y'all, you hear the ding, eh, no big deal. I am dying inside. <laughs> because those notifications communicate there's something to do, there's something to see, whether it's your phone, your iPad, your laptop, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. All those notifications put you in a spot like, what is, what's going on? What are they sending me? What are they telling me? What are they, does somebody like? Does somebody comment? Does somebody do what? Someone, what, what are they saying? I don't want to miss out. If I miss out, then I'm not going to know. And then they're going to bring it up. And if I don't know what they're talking about, then I'm going to look bad in front of everybody. And it stresses you out. Anybody feeling anxious in the room just a little bit right now? They did a study on this Baylor University shows. This is back in 2014. Back in 2014, American students spend an average of nine hours a day on their phones. The thing is, the way that the screens are de developed, the way that they're created, it actually stimulates the central nervous system, which increases anxiety. So some of you parents are wondering why your kids are stressed out all the time. It may be because they're getting a little much, too much screen time. They have phones now when they're like nine years old. You know what I had when I was nine years old? Like a rock. <laughs> that was it. And a stick. <laughs> and a gun. Because what nine-year-old doesn't need a gun, right? Amen. Come on, we're in the South. But I do think that technology is increasing the stress level. And it's ironic because technology is supposed to make things easier but it's having the adverse effect. Another thing that can cause stress, career. Work is one of the greatest causes of stress. We stress when we don't like our jobs. We stress when we do like our jobs because we don't want to lose our jobs, so we work harder and we have performance anxiety, which is causing stress, and so we stress. A lot of us, are stressed about our futures. Like, how long am I gonna have to work this job? I don't wanna do this for the rest of my life, and so we stress. A study by American Psychological Association shows that 80% of people feel stressed at their jobs. Meaning, 80% of people are really not doing what they really love and enjoy, or they have lost the joy and the love of what they're doing, and it's causing a tremendous amount of stress. Another area that can cause stress, cash. Cash. <laughs> the average debt in America per household, just on credit cards, this is just credit card debt, the average credit card debt in the American household is $17,000. $17,000. Some of you are like, I would trade for that number today. <laughs> You guys need to sign up for Financial Peace with Dave Ramsey. We got that class. You should check it out. 
the U.S. owes 779 million or billion, sorry, billion dollars in credit cards alone. 779 billion dollars in credit cards. And money is one of the biggest relationship stressors. More marriages end because of finances than any other subject. That's the, at the root of it. Cash can be a major problem with stress. How about conflict in relationships? It's another stress producer. You ever had anybody that you were mad at? Not a lot of peace there, is there? Ever had anybody mad at you? <laughs> that's stressful, isn't it? Some of you, that's a much bigger issue than when you're mad at somebody. It's when you know somebody's mad at you. And then you'll be stressing about that. And relationship problems are incredibly stressful. Marriage problems, conflict between parents and kids, and family drama, the complexities of blended families is incredibly stressful. But here's the thing. Stress, ultimately, it steals from your spirit. It steals from who you actually are, who you were created to be. It takes away your freedom. And so what happens is, around people that you do love, you don't, you're not able to act like yourself. You start acting like someone else. And some of you that are struggling in relationship with your kids, it may be because your kids are stressed. And some of you students that are trying to get along with your parents, maybe it's because your parents are stressed. And so I think it's really important that we address why the stress is happening, but also what are the solutions? Because there's really good news. There is an answer to all your stress. And it's found in the word of God. Because the word of God guides us in all things, including stress. And I want to give you what the Bible says about being stressed. And the, there's several things that you can do in your life that can help de-stress. And, and most of them, you know, you can find on Google or Dr. Oz or, you know, whatever. There's breathing techniques and there's exercise and eating better and sleep and all that kind of stuff. And all those things are fine. But all those things are also temporary. But there are solutions that are eternal. will always apply. And at least there needs to be a partnership between those practical measures that you're taking and the eternal supernatural answer. So today we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4. I'll give you some context. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians. And uh, he wrote actually two-thirds of the book of the New Testament. And a lot of them were to churches. This is to the church of Philippi, which was in northern Greece, which was a Roman province at that time. The interesting thing is, Paul is writing this book from prison. Uh, he wrote several of his epistles from prison. And he starts this book out by declaring how his hardships and his struggles, how he can see clearly that they are advancing the kingdom of God from prison. And Paul absolutely understood what it felt like to be overwhelmed. He had every reason in the world to be really stressed out. And yet over and over and over again, you can see him walking with this moral authority of understanding what it means to actually 
walk in peace and joy, free of stress. Free of stress. So let's look at this verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. This is a familiar verse to some of you, but we really want to break this thing down. First off, it starts with saying, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything or anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a promise from God that you can have this peace, but the promise is not that he's going to remove the chaos. That's not the promise at all. In fact, the chaos will probably remain. But the key is that you can have peace in the midst of the chaos. That you can have peace whether it is chaos or not chaos. You can have this peace. But there's over 7,000 promises throughout the word of God, but most of them come with a condition. They are if then type statements like if you'll do these things then you'll have this result there is a premise to the promise of this peace these things that he's saying if you will do these things then this peace will exist in your life and that's what I want to look at today three biblical ways to de-stress your life and thankfully these are more than a massage more than essential oils more than acupuncture a vacation any of those things and all those things are fine but these are actual like eternal principles that I believe if you apply them, they're going to help you out. First of all, don't worry about anything. Verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. Seems pretty simple. The problem is you guys like to put qualifications on the things you worry about and don't worry about. Like I say, don't worry. You're like, okay, got it. Not worrying about most everything. Oh, I won't worry. Uh, I won't worry about 80% of stuff. But this says don't worry about anything. This trap of worry. Proverbs 12, 25, it says, worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. The word worry in this original context, it means to strangle or to choke. <laughs> and that's what worry does. Your worry is strangling and choking the life out of your life. Jesus spoke to the subject of worry very, very clearly. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what will we wear? For the pagans run after such things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first 
his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Now, you need to understand that this is not Jesus' helpful hints with stress. This is not a list of suggestions. This is not like a cool little nugget for you. Ever had anybody say, I've got a nugget of truth for you today? It's just weird to me. Juicy Raymond nugget of truth for you. Like from McDonald's? Like what kind of nugget is this? This is actually a commandment. Jesus says... Do not worry. He says, though, if you will put his kingdom first, if you will make him first in your life, then you won't worry about anything. Because when he's first, that's all you can focus on. A couple things about worry. First of all, worry is unreasonable. Worry is unreasonable. Verse 27 says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? No, but you know what worry does? It takes hours away. Worry cannot add anything to your life, but it can certainly subtract quite a few things. You worrying doesn't add anything. And, and I've been guilty of this. We've probably all been there. Like when you, you know, you're trying to fall asleep at night and it's getting late but your mind won't turn off and you're running through everything that needs to get done then you're sitting there and you're freaking out and stressing about it. But the problem is it's late, so your brain's not operating well anyway. But you think that somehow at midnight, somehow at that point, you're gonna be smart enough to solve the issues that's causing all the stress in your life. And then after you kick that thought around for a couple of hours and finally so exhausted, fall asleep, and then have to wake up the next morning and go to work, and you're exhausted, and you realize nothing changed worrying about it. Worry will not cause you to lose weight. Worry will not add more money to your bank account. Worry does not solve anything. It only exaggerates the issue. Worry subtracts from your life. Worry is also unnatural. Worry is unnatural. I've never met a baby that worries. You're not born a worrier. It's something that you learn. You're taught. I mean, you look at the rest of creation. Cows don't worry. You know, they got a lot to worry about. Dogs don't worry. Cats don't worry. They're mean and lazy, but they don't worry. Rocks don't worry. Trees don't worry. Oceans don't worry. The moon doesn't worry. The stars don't worry. Humans are the only thing created by God that decides to worry. And we are at the very center of his love. It's unnatural for us. And, and the same way that you learned it, you can unlearn it. But it takes practice to unlearn. You have to practice. Worry is unnecessary. First Peter 5, 7, cast 
all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I think this is the biggest issue. The reason why we worry is we just forget how big God is and how much he loves us. It's unnecessary because it's like, man, if you just could remember how much he loves you, what he's done to show and demonstrate his love for you, there's no way that you could worry. Stop worrying. Number two, talk to God about everything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. <sighs> Prayer is a major antidote to worry. And I know that you probably wanted something more profound than that. You wanted a quick fix. But worry is a relational problem. Worry is a relational problem between you and God. You are worrying because your relationship with God is distant. And he knows that if you talk to him, you will have to draw near to him to talk to him. And when you draw near to him to talk to him, you'll remember who he is. And in that place, the worry will dissipate. The worry fades away when you're in the presence of your heavenly father. But you've got to talk to him. You've got to bring these things to him. This is what it looks like for me. And there's been so many times in my life, look, when I've struggled with major, major worry. When I, we moved here five and a half years ago, and we were leave, leaving our home in, in Conway, and we were worried about selling our house. And we were worried about finding the right place to live when we got here. So this is what I did. God, please grant us favor to sell our house in Conway so we can be free of that and then give us wisdom, direction, and favor to find the right place to live here in Cabot. We trust you with that. I was worried and fearful about what it looked like to lead a whole church. And I can still slip into this, but this is the prayer. God, I'm weak. I don't have it. I know I don't have it. I am messed up without you. Please give me wisdom. Please give me courage. I believe and trust that you're the one that's calling me. And if you call me, it doesn't matter whether I feel qualified or not. You're going to give me what I need to do this and do it well. So I trust you. But just help me. I believe, just help me with the unbelief part of who I am. I'm with my kids. I want them to have friends. I want them to have community. God, help us with wisdom to know what school to put them in. God, give them great teachers and great friends and great community. Help them, Father. The question is this. What would your life look like if you prayed as much as you worry? What if every time you worried, there was a prayer that came with the worry? And then what if eventually your prayers begin to outnumber the worries? What would your life look like? Because this is what I would suggest. I would suggest that not only would it change your life personally, but it would make you incredibly more effective for his kingdom. Because worry is a distraction away from eternal purposes. But what if you prayed just as well and just as long and just as strong and just as passionately as you spend time worrying about things that ultimately you can't change by worrying about them? What would your life look like?
James 4.2 says, you do not have because you don't ask God. I would suggest you worry less, just ask more. And some of you, you <laughs> some of you say, oh, I don't, want to, I don't want to bother God with my little problems. He's God, all problems are little. It doesn't matter how big you think they are or how small they are, he's God. Every problem is little to God, every problem. So you might as well bring them all to him. Every problem, bring them to him, talk to him about it. It's, it's in talking to God that you finally are gonna be asking someone that can actually give you the wisdom to know what to do. And it's not to say you don't have that friend with those suggestions and everything else, and that's fine because we all need those friends, but God is the one that has eternal wisdom. And I believe that if you will seek him, you can ask God for wisdom and he's gonna give that wisdom to you. You can speak to him about the ways to reduce your debt and he's gonna give you creative ways. He's gonna give you solutions of like what to do in that place. And he can assure you that everything's gonna be okay. He can give you peace even when it doesn't look like it's going to work out. God is the only one that can give that to you. He can give you peace for your future, peace for your kids. He can simplify your life in so many different ways. You just need to talk to him. Talk to him. And then listen to what he has to say. I'm going to say something. This, I, I can't necessarily back this up with like a specific verse or anything like that, but I, I find in my life that close relationships have big benefits. Close relationships have big benefits. So every student in this place, call your parents more, visit more, value their opinion more, spend more time valuing who they are and what they're doing in their life, and you'll have a lot more gas in your car. because there are benefits in close relationship. And I find that when I am close to God, which I have to be to talk to God, I get to walk in a lot more of the benefits of who he is as God. It's a fun place to be. It's pretty cool. He hooks you up. I'm not saying everything's smooth sailing and this is not a prosperity message. This is I like walking in peace. There's peace in the presence of God. That's why I like to talk to him. It's an awesome place to be. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And thank God in all things. Thank God in all things. Thank him for all that he has done. Gratitude is another major remedy for stress. Ungrateful people are some of the most unhappy, miserable people on the planet when they just don't see it. And we can all find something. I don't care how deep the pit is. The pit of despair, like from Princess Bride. Like it doesn't matter how deep that pit is. I promise you, you can always find something to be grateful for. There's always something to be grateful for. The analogy is that in life, you're in these valleys and mountaintops, right? And when you're up, you're up. And when you're down, you're down. But this is what I think is a more accurate picture. You're going to go through valleys and you're going to go over mountains. And there are two tracks that run parallel to each other that you can decide to go through those valleys and over those mountains on. One track is a track of gratefulness. The other track is a track of not being grateful. Because the bottom line is this. No matter how great things are going, you can always be miserable and ungrateful. 
But no matter how bad things are going, you can also make a choice to be grateful. You choose what track. You're gonna go through valleys and you're gonna go over mountains. Choose what track you're gonna be on. You can be on the track of gratefulness or you can be on the other track. And really, this is a picture of what happened at the beginning of creation. God put two trees in this garden. One was the tree of life. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life was in that place of total dependency on who he was to supply everything that they needed. They weren't gonna try to work through things on their own. They weren't gonna depend on their own intellectual ability. They weren't gonna depend on their own gifting. They weren't gonna depend on their portfolio. They weren't gonna depend on their title. They weren't gonna depend on what anybody else said about them. They were gonna depend on God and that was the tree of life. The other tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's important to understand that it was called the tree of good and evil. And what drew Eve to the tree was that the fruit looked good. But in so many of our lives, we are filling them with things that are good, but aren't necessarily God. And that's why it is stressing us out. But the things that are good will be tempting because the things that are good are what culture is doing. It's the things that we think somehow may define us as a better parent or a better husband or a better wife. But our number one priority is to be the best son and to be the best daughter that God has called us to be. And we can't go after the things that are good or evil. We have to go after the things that are of God and what he says about us and his plan and his purpose. But we get to make the choice. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything and be thankful in all situations. I promise you, if you can apply those three principles in your life, you can walk stress-free. And as your pastor, that's what I want. I want you to be free. I want you to have freedom. We're in the summer months right now, so I don't know what that looks like for you. Summer's supposed to be less stressful, right? Unless you got four little kids at home and you can't wait for them to go back to school, okay? But, but, but here's the thing, get this in your spirit because it's not, just, it's not just what I wanna see you be able to experience in your own life, in your own relationships, in your own marriage, and your relationship with your kids, and your work situation, and all that. It's not just about that. There's, there's actually a bigger picture because the, the backside of this says, man, if, if you'll do these things, then God will give you a peace that transcends your understanding. And that, that peace will guard your heart, and you need, some of you, you need some guards over your feelings and over your emotions because they are driving your life in crazy directions. And it also guards your mind or guards your thoughts or guards the thing that you think about, which is where the battleground is. That's where sin starts. So that peace will guard your heart and mind. But at the end of what Jesus was saying about worry, he says, if you'll seek first his kingdom and all of his righteousness, then everything will be added unto you. The thing that you are missing out the most is building his kingdom when you are consumed with stress. There are people that you will walk by at Mach 3 that are hurting, dying, and broken around you, but you won't see them because you're so wrapped up in your own worry and stress, you can't see the brokenness that's inside of them, and you can't see the opportunity to give the Jesus that's inside of you to the person that doesn't have any hope at all. That's the biggest thing. I want it for you personally, but I want you to be able to build the kingdom like a big dog, like God has called you to do. But let's surrender it to him. Amen. Let's bow our heads, close your eyes. If you're here today and you, you would just confess that you carry this burden of stress, you carry it, 
If you carry a burden of worry, I want you to know that it is not a sin. I'm not saying you should be shameful if you're stressed or worried. I'm just saying, don't live there. Don't live there. Confess it to God. Bring it to the one that can relieve. Bring it to the one that can give your peace back. If you're here today and you just know that that's you, would you put your hand up right now? You're just living in a place of stress. You need to surrender to God. And I believe as your hands go up all across this room, and, and this is a lot of hands, it's a lot of people, because this is a real issue. It's a, it's a broad problem. It's a broad situation. And the enemy is trying to use this to destroy your lives. So even as you raise your hand, Father God, take it off of them. Take it off of them right now. God, we just speak freedom in the name of Jesus. It's for freedom that you set us free. So we speak to the stress. We speak to the anxiety. God, we speak to the questions that we don't have answers to, but we speak in the name of Jesus. We belong to the one who has all the answers. So where the job's gonna come from, you're gonna supply. Where the relationship healing's gonna come from, you're gonna supply. Whatever it is, God, we're gonna trust you. We're gonna surrender to you. We release it to you right now. We confess, God, we're not gonna worry about anything. We're gonna pray about everything. And we're gonna be grateful because we're sucking air because you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sins. We're thankful every day we wake up. We can be thankful. Even if we don't know what is gonna happen, we can be thankful and we're gonna exist in that place of thankfulness. God, I lift up every person. I thank you as they confess this, your peace, your peace would come on right now. God, they would walk out of this place feeling a million pounds lighter, not necessarily knowing what all the answers are, but knowing that you're in control. You love them, you see them, you know them before the creation of the world and you're gonna take care of them. If you're here today, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never given your life to him. Look, this peace, it comes through relationship with God. And that relationship with God only comes by you believing that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. He defeated death. He defeated your sin. He defeated the grave. He defeated it. And it's in accepting him as your savior, but also confessing him as the Lord of your life that you wanna give him control that this peace truly can come. If you're here today and you've never done that before, or maybe you need to do it again, you need to rededicate your life to him, nobody looking around, if that's you, boldly put your hand up right now. I wanna pray for you in this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it, guys, got it. Yes, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to rededicate my life to him today. Anybody else? Yes, sir, got it. Thanks, bro. Yes, sir, there at the back. Thanks for being bold, man. God's gonna honor anybody else. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Thank you guys for raising your hand. I know that takes some courage. God's gonna honor right now. If you raise your hand, just talk to God. Say, God, here's my life. I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin, but I believe. I believe that you, you sent your son, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice for my sin, that you died on the cross for my sin, Jesus. You rose from the grave. Thank you for saving me from my sin, but right now I confess you as my Lord. I want you to have control of my life because I know living for myself will only continue the cycle of brokenness and sin and stress in my life. So I surrender to you. I surrender to your will. I know that, that that's laid out in the word of God. I know that it comes by the leading of your spirit. It comes from community with other brothers and sisters in Christ. So God, I submit myself to those things. I submit to you as the Lord of my life. Come and have control. Be my Lord, Savior, and best friend. God, I pray that we as your sons and daughters 
would walk in a place where when the worry and the stresses come and we know that they're bound to come, God, but that we would surrender them to you, that we would quickly understand and see worry for what it is and understand, Lord, that it's unnatural, it's unnecessary, it's un, there's no logic to it, God. We'd surrender to you, we'd pray, we'd talk to you, just talk, and then walk in a place of thankfulness. I thank you for your word this morning. Thanks for helping us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We had a bunch of people raise their hand to get right with Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand and them a hand for making that decision. Praise God.